It is time to bring it back to vulnerability, back to connection. Here on the How's Your Heart podcast, we chat weekly about the practical ways to deepen the relationship with ourselves and how to cultivate that with the people around us too. My name is Jess. I am the host here on the How's Your Heart podcast. And alongside some amazing guests together, we are here to create psychologically safe spaces and to put into practice asking more than just how are you. Instead, we're asking, how's your heart? Hello everyone and welcome back to welcome to the How's Your Heart podcast. I am Jess, your host, and today we're going to be diving deep and talking all about relationships and more specifically talking about what what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who is suffering from a mental health illness. I feel like this is such a intense but also meaningful conversation to have because like the statistics tend to suggest one in five of us will suffer from a mental health illness. So it's common, but it's not really talked about. And now we have a lot more support for people who are going through mental health illnesses, which is great. Obviously, we still have a long way to go, but I think it's also important to start thinking about what we can do to support as a partner. When we're in the relationship, what can we do? And then also branching off from that, how can we support ourselves so that we are still able to show up in that relationship in the best way possible, in the best way that we can? I want to kind of disclaim um, what we're going to be talking about today and put in a little kind of sidebar note here. I'm just coming to this conversation with experience. I have been someone who has been in a relationship, been in circumstances with someone who has been suffering from a mental health illness. And I myself have also been on the other side. I've been the person with the mental health illness. So I think I have a fair kind of holistic perspective of this whole situation. But in saying that, today we are going to be talking about mental health illnesses such as anxiety, eating disorders, depression, And if you're resonating with any of these personally, or if you think that someone in your life, someone you're in a relationship with is suffering from any of these or displaying any of the symptoms of these kinds of illnesses, I would definitely refer you and recommend that you reach out for help either to a professional, to a therapist, to a friend, to a doctor, to even doing some research online if you're still unsure and not sure what the next step is in this kind of situation in your life. Life. I definitely just want to preface that for this conversation because it is pretty heavy, it is pretty sensitive, and I just want to acknowledge that first and foremost. Um, I think it is also a very important conversation to have. Mental health is very stigmatized, and although we are breaking away from this conversation being like needing to be hidden all the time, I think it's also important to acknowledge that it is really hard to have, and it is hard, but it is important. And so that's why I wanted to open up the conversation today. I have felt over the past few days, I've just been in a bit of a slump, been in a bit of, um, I guess, a depressive episode, which was not fun. It was not good. And it was set off by, like I said, last week in last week's episode, I'm dealing with a bit of family issues at the moment and it came up again and it's unhealed trauma that I still haven't gone through and it's presenting itself time and time again. But um, yeah, feeling really low, but actually it really brought me back into why I started this podcast and it is to open up this space for conversations about mental health. And I think this conversation, this podcast episode right now will be one of my most aligned episodes that I've ever done because 
it just sparks so much, I guess, experience, but also knowledge and um, empathy for people who are either going through the mental health illness, but also who are trying to support their partner, their friend, their mother, their father, their auntie through this kind of journey. I thought I'd share a little bit about my experience first and foremost to kind of give you guys a little bit of perspective from where I'm coming from in this conversation, where um, my background is and my experience with this kind of conversation. So I'll start off with when I was in about grade five, I want to say I was on the other side of this um, dynamic. I was the daughter of someone who was going through a mental health issue and she was going through an eating disorder, specifically anorexia nervosa, which I later on in the years actually had. But um, during this moment, during this phase in my life, I was a child, obviously. I had no idea what mental health was first and foremost, but I also didn't know how to react. I didn't even know what it meant to have an eating disorder, what it meant to have voices in your head, what it meant to need treatment for a mental health illness. And it was quite confronting how it came about. I didn't really recognize the signs that my mom was declining in her mental health. All I really knew was that one day mom couldn't come home. Mom had to stay in this hospital and we could go visit her. And I was to live at my auntie's house for a fair while. And obviously as a child, as anyone who is just, I guess, oblivious to this kind of situation it's really confronting and it's really quite startling and um I still need to process a lot of that but what I'm trying to get at is that when we're in situations whether we were a child or maybe we're an adult and we just haven't experienced mental health like the person we are in a relationship with is or has it can be quite um confusing to um i guess address the situation to show up and to not have the person on the other side of the partnership show up in the way that they used to or in the way that we expect and i really found that as a kid my mom wasn't able to show up in the way that she normally had and not to say that it was, you know, her, it was the onus was on her to show up in the way that she usually did because she was suffering from a mental health illness. We have obviously to consider that in there as well, but it was quite confusing and I was grieving who she used to be. And I think that's a really important point there. And I know it's pretty on early on in the episode, but I just thought I'd bring this up. When we are talking about mental health and we're talking about being in a relationship with someone who is suffering from a mental health illness, it's quite often that we use the word but and we say, oh yes, my partner is such and such, but they're dealing with this issue. And I think that it really just puts a lot of stigma and a lot of pressure on this person, on the other person in the partnership to continue showing up in a way that is not aligned with what they're going through right now, which is not aligned with the suffering that they are, you know, going through at the point in time is not aligned with their experience and is sure as hell not aligned with their mental state. And I think that's really important to consider because instead of saying the word, but they are everything but their downfall is they're dealing with depression. Instead, let's try and change that narrative and say, yeah, this is my partner 
and they're also going through this. We can appreciate that. We can acknowledge that. And we're doing as best as we can to try and support them through that because mental health illness, at least when I found, and we'll get into this in just a sec, when I found when I was in my period where I was really struggling with my eating disorder, I felt like that was my downfall. I felt like that was all I was. And yes, it was consuming a lot of my mind, but at the same time, I was still underneath there. And I was trying my hardest to show up in a way that I thought was really authentic to me, that I thought was my loving, kind self. But obviously, I also had this other thing that was going on. And those two were simultaneously occurring in my life. I was still me. And I was also dealing with this. And I think when we're having this whole conversation today, it's really important to keep that in the forefront of our mind that they are still a person. They are still the person that you love. They have. They will always be that person. They also might change. They also might adapt and shift a little bit so that they are able to recover and to experience this mental health illness in a way that allows them to live an all right life because you know you can recover from these things most of the time and at least in my experience being mostly recovered from an eating disorder is a lot better (laughs) than the life I was living in my eating disorder so um, I just want to preface that but let's dive into the experience I had when I was on the other side when I was the person with the mental health um, illness so like I said before, I was suffering from anorexia nervosa and that happened about 2021, 2022 kind of area. And at this point in time, I was in a relationship with my first boyfriend and I actually really wanted to reach out to him and see if he'd come on this episode because his perspective and his experience in this whole part of my life is something that I'm really curious about. I broke up with him a little while after I got out of hospital because I knew deep down that I needed to focus on my healing, on um, my journey through this mental health. And you may find that in your partnerships, when you're in a relationship with someone who's going through a mental health illness, maybe they do need that separation just to heal because quite often these things can take up a lot of their life, a lot of their heart, a lot of their mind. And we do, like as much as that hurt me and him, it's um, for the better now. We actually still go out for coffee sometimes and he's over in Canada at the moment, I'm pretty sure. But anyways, that's besides the point. During my eating disorder, we were in a relationship and I got hospitalized for a little bit. But prior to that, I was declining in my mental health quite significantly. I'd gone through a fair bit of trauma in 2020 and 2019 and it would just led me down this path of needing to overexercise and malnourish myself and just be so consumed by this eating disorder and honestly anxiety and depression thrown in there as well there was a whole mix of things that were going on I think it's really important to recognize that as well because sometimes these mental health illnesses can be really complex so making sure we get a whole perspective on that is really important as well but essentially what I found myself doing, the behavior that I was clinging on to was distracting myself from my trauma and these emotions by over-exercising and not feeding myself and working myself to the ground because, um, yeah, I didn't want to deal with these feelings. And what it resulted in was I wasn't showing up in my relationship like I had intended to, that I really wanted to. And 
that caused a lot of heartache for Zav, my partner, because I was no longer hanging out, going on date nights. When we went out for dates, I wasn't really eating food and I was really sleepy and tired because I'd trained for five hours previously. And it got to the point where I wasn't even showing up in the relationship, quite honestly. I did not have time, space. I did not have any room in my heart, any room in my mind to be able to love him and to be able to be the best girlfriend I could. I wasn't even being the best Jess that I could. And having conversations around eating disorders during this time was something that we didn't really have because I wasn't open to it. I didn't even really realize that I was going through an eating disorder at the time. I just thought that's what being a health and fitness guru, health and fitness girly is like. This is just what it's meant to be. And I'm not, I can't even recall if he reached out to me to see if I was okay in that space. I'm sure he did, but I think that's also important to note. Sometimes the person who's suffering from the mental health illness cannot doesn't even have the capacity to take that on. And so that's what I want to dive into that first initial the first initial conversation you have with the person who is struggling with their mental health or you suspect is struggling with their mental health. For me, it my eating disorder manifested physically and a fair few people did bring up to me that I was you know it looked like I was struggling but you know even still then even though it manifested physically I was still blind to that fact because that mental illness was just all consuming to me And so when we start having that initial conversation, if you are finding that someone in your life, you're recognizing that their behavior, their appearance, the way they're talking is different to usual, is, you know, uh, is leading you to suspect that maybe something's not okay, that maybe their mind is in a different place, maybe their trauma is affecting them in a different way, something has happened. What we want to start doing when we open up this conversation, because it is a pretty touchy subject, and it can also be really daunting that first chat um like there's so many um insecurities and taboo subjects and you know a need for validation but also a need for safety in there as well um it's can be really quite daunting but what we want to do is start creating opportunities for empathetic conversations and what i mean by this is leading with love first creating a safe ground establish that trust that you have so that vulnerable conversations can occur you wouldn't have conversations about a really deep and vulnerable and possibly scary conversation with someone who you don't trust who you don't value who doesn't make you feel safe and loved it just unless you're really desperate maybe but you know if we're in a loving relationship, we want to have that really solid base of trust and love and safety there so that these type of conversations can be held and both sides of the conversation can be heard and respected and then further from there if they do end up opening up to you which fingers crossed that they do um, validating their experience validating what they say and being like yes I hear you I understand you I see that life has been pretty hard lately understanding what they're going through whether or not you deep down get it or you just can understand that yeah that matches up with how you've been acting lately that's really really important because quite often 
both sides even, but quite often for the person going through the mental health illness, it can feel quite lonely. You can feel like you're stuck in your mind. You can feel like you're stuck in your body. You can feel like you're stuck in this situation and it can feel like you're trapped. And so having someone to be like, I'm holding this safe ground for you. I'm here to validate your experience. I'm here to hold space for anything you want to say and it will be respected. That is like such a crucial part in that first initial conversation you have with the person who is struggling. I also want to touch on your emotions, the person who's the partner who's observing this mental illness um, manifest. Um, That can be quite lonely in that experience as well because like Zav would have experienced in my ED and like I experienced being the daughter of my mum going through her ED, um, it felt quite lonely. I felt like I was, you know, missing a mum. I felt like I wasn't, you know, being cared for. I felt like I wasn't, I was just a daughter floating about in the midst of the world. And I'm sure Zav felt the same. He was just like, I'm a boyfriend, but my girlfriend's kind of not really here. Um, Yeah, like she's here physically, I guess. She's in hospital, but mentally and emotionally, I don't feel like I'm connected to her. And it can feel quite lonely. And I mentioned this before, it can feel like you're grieving the person who they used to be. You're grieving the role that they used to fulfill. And I just want to validate that for you. That's a very fair process. It's a very valid and fair feeling that you're feeling right now. Um, And understanding that that happens for both parties as well. Um, I found even in my ED... Um, I was grieving who I used to be. I was grieving the girl who was able to show up as the girlfriend, who was able to show up as this awesome chick who'd go on adventures and we'd climb mountains and we'd go on date nights and it'd be awesome. But it, at this point in time, my mental health was just not, the capacity wasn't there for that kind of, I guess, persona, for that kind of side of me to come out. And I'm sure your partner who is suffering right now, your friend who is suffering right now, probably feels the same way. They're feeling like, I want to show up in this way, but my anxiety is holding me back. I want to show up in this way, but my depression is holding me back. And it's okay. It's valid that both of you guys are grieving what used to be. But this is where we really need to start taking into perspective this idea of should. And we talked about this in episode one with Bruce. He said, everyone's shooting all over themselves. And I feel like this can really come into play in these kind of situations. When we start saying, oh, I should be performing in this role. They should be coming out on date nights with me because, you know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We should be going overseas this year. We should, like, my mum should be here to drop me off at school but she's not when we start doing that we just apply so much additional pressure and a time frame kind of like a a time frame on this person who is suffering and already has as you can imagine a mass amount of stress and pressure happening on their mind at the moment so making sure that when we take into consideration this feeling of loneliness that it is loneliness along with acceptance that this might be happening for a while. We might not feel like we're in the old partnership that we used to, but that doesn't mean that that can't come back. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, 
mental health illnesses at least in my experience they last for a while but they also have their ups and downs there'll be days where they'll come back for a little bit and maybe the mental health illness will die off for that day just a little bit and you'll have that I guess reminiscence of what it used to be but just remembering that when those times come back it is just a brief moment and enjoying them while they last but also knowing that this person that you're in a relationship with is a complex human being and right now that situation is even more complex because there's a lot of stuff going on in their brain right now so just removing that idea of should and just taking things as they come is really important in this kind of situation So now I want to talk about what your role is in supporting them as your partner, as a friend, as a sibling, as a parent. What is your role in supporting this person through their mental health illness? And for everyone, this is unique because everyone has their own capacities, has their own privileges in terms of your job, maybe other children in the mix, maybe other people in the mix, other responsibilities. Everyone is unique, but these are really just the core things that we can come down to most people should be able to have the capacity to show up for someone else in their life um, whether that is their partner or not so first things first we want to educate ourselves on the symptoms and the diagnosis that they have so if they have been diagnosed at this point doing some research looking up online asking people who are in the kind of same space as them or who have been through similar things ask around to your friends like i said before one in five people go through these kinds of things ask around a lot of times not only a you'll get more support more community you'll see that this isn't as i guess such an isolated incident as you may originally have thought it's actually quite common but also you can get that sense of community around you. You can actually start building a foundation of support that'll help you as you move further into, I guess, this experience, this situation, this phase of life. Asking them questions is also a really good idea. Like we said before, the first contact we have the first conversation we have with this person about their mental health is really scary but once we've had that first conversation out of the way and we're starting to make this conversation kind of a more common thing asking them what's going on throughout their day-to-day how are they feeling use it how's your heart If you're struggling with words, even go for a letter, write them a letter at the end of, you know, the week and be like, hey, um, how did you feel this week? Take the pressure off if that's what's going to work for you. I think it's a really important reminder that communication and holding space for their experience is really, really important at this stage, especially if it's really early on and you're only starting to get into that whole treatment part. I think it's really important to engage in the limits that you've discussed together as well. So if they say, yeah, I would like you to ask about this part, but I'm still unsure or do not have the words for this other side of it respecting that is super important at this stage even if you are the closest person in their life sometimes it's hard to articulate what's going on in your mind if it is happening so fast or it's feeling really intense or it's bringing up a lot of emotions that maybe you haven't dealt with in the past Um, remembering that this isn't a project for you it is only their experience and 
as much as we may want to jump in and try and fix everything and get our hands over everything, sometimes in these situations, it's better not to. It's better to just be their cheerleader, to take them to their appointments if they need to, to ask questions where it's appropriate and to just connect with them like you would a person, the person who you love, the person who you're in a friendship or a relationship with. Um, when we start use like kind of using the language or acting in a way that we are like seeing that seeing them as something we need to fix, they can start taking that on as, oh, I'm broken. Oh, I'm, they can see that I am, you know, not myself anymore. And they can see that everything's falling to pieces all around me. And at least for me, when people have tried to do that to me, I just feel like, I'm the worst person in the world. I feel like, oh my goodness, I'm such a burden on them and it's ruining their life. As you can imagine, when you're going through a mental health illness and then also having that added pressure or feeling like a burden on your family or your partner, it just does not lead you to um, be motivated to recover. And for me, when I was in the depths of my ED, I was like, what's the point? Just everyone give up on me at this point. Like there's, I'm, I'm a burden to all of you and God forbid, I can't fight this. There's no way it's all consuming. If you can take that into your um, mind when you're supporting this person, I think that's really important as well. Okay, so next we're going to be talking about treatments and recovery processes because quite often when we're talking about these serious mental health issues, these are a part of recovery. They're part of the next few stages to help this person come back to themselves, come back to a happier place on this earth. So first we're going to talk about treatment and For a lot of these mental health conditions, especially the more serious ones, treatment can be a really scary subject. It can be something that they're really resistant to. Maybe they are suffering from an addiction and that addiction is distracting them or, you know, the complexities of addiction are quite extreme. So when we bring into the mix, we start suggesting treatment, it can feel like you're taking that one piece of their sanity, one that like the thing that they're holding on to for dear life to keep life feeling okay, like they're afloat, um, can be really scary. I found that in my ED when I was put in hospital and they were like, you can't exercise. I was like, you're taking away the one thing that is keeping me sane right now. If I do not do that, I'm like gonna run away. And quite honestly, that made me so resistant to the rest of recovery because I felt like, if I can't have this one thing in my life, how am I going to survive? And that made me quite resistant to the rest of recovery because I felt like no one got it. I feel like no one understood the severity of the addiction that I have with with that I had with exercise. So making sure that when we come to this person and we start suggesting and bringing into conversations the idea and possible alternatives for treatment, we meet them with love first 
And like I said at the beginning of the episode, we really want to base this on trust and vulnerability and have a discussion around treatment. And I know this can be really challenging and really quite hard, but as us as the partner, if we can meet them and be like, hey, look, I've had a bit of a research. I've done a little bit of a talking to some professionals and some doctors out there, and I just want to show you the options. Obviously, this is their journey, and unless they are incapable of making that decision and we feel like we need to step in, which is crucial in some circumstances, but obviously get some guidance from professionals in that kind of situation there, Um, when we can lay out all the options to them and help them navigate their own journey, that is like so empowering to them. We all know that therapy is one of the best ways we can actively work towards bettering our mental health. But what most of us have experienced is that this method can be inaccessible and a big step, especially if we're feeling really stuck. In my mental health journey, I found that sometimes the only person that needs to have your back is you. Luckily, there are more than one options for mental health support, and I wanted to share one of my favorite options with you guys. Prompted journaling is accessible, functional, and removes the need for a doctor's appointment. It is self-therapy. Over my years of journaling, I have hand-selected over 45 prompts and have now created a journal prompt guide that is available for free for all of you guys. Head on over to the Instagram at How's Your Heart Pod and click the bio link to receive your gift. I'm super excited to hear all of the ways this guide changes your lives and how it has deepened the relationship to yourself. Whether you are a beginner journaler or someone who is looking for more consistency and motivation, this ebook will be your go-to guide. I trust you'll enjoy it. Next, I want to talk about mental health safety plans because I think this is a really crucial topic to talk about when we are addressing mental health issues, um, especially if we are heavily involved in their treatment or supporting them or just in their day to day. If they are struggling with um, suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, or things that will harm them and cause self-injury, we need to start implementing what is called a mental health safety plan. I um, did a little post on my Instagram. I did it today. So on the 10th of March, if you want to scroll back, and it has a few resources on there. I think Beyond Blue has a really good one as well that helps you map out a mental health safety plan. What essentially this is, is that it allows both you and your partner who is suffering from a mental health illness to map out a journey of what would be appropriate, what would be the best steps in case of this your partner declining in their mental health state or maybe they're feeling triggered in some sense. Maybe it's just a really bad day. Maybe it's just a really bad moment. This is a really great way. It's a really great plan of action to take so that you as the partner who is trying to support this person knows that every step you take is the best one for them and it's going to take them from maybe a zero to a three out of ten so they're still you know coming back up to that sustainable and manageable place and the creation of this mental health safety plan usually entails you and your partner sitting down maybe with a professional maybe with a therapist maybe with a family member who is you know a part of this kind of situation sitting down and planning out an action plan and this starts off with including what are the warning signs of mental illness declining what is how, how can we start creating a safe space for that person 
at this time and can we use any medications on standby what are the mindset shift phrases that we can start using for me it was fuck off ed something like along the lines of that because it really just brought me back into nowhere fighting against this this is not a downward spiral it does not have control of me separating the mental health illness from the person who is suffering from it is a really great way to do this when we are creating those phrases obviously use something that resonates with them as well maybe making a list of things that make them feel better help them feel better maybe it's a cold shower maybe it is sitting down and doing some breathing and then having some contacts on there as well so that is family and friend support who you can call out and reach for maybe it's professional help and then obviously emergency services and anyone in that kind of field who can help you out in a circumstance if it tends to get a little bit out of your reach the last thing I really wanted to talk about in terms of this episode is about you is about you as the partner and what you can do to make sure that you show up as your best self in this kind of situation. In essence, be the partner, be their partner. You do not need to be their be all end all. You just need to show up in the relationship as that other partner. So making sure that you have time for your own self-care is super, super important at this time. These kind of situations, these dynamics can be quite emotionally and physically exhausting and really just appreciating that and giving yourself some self-compassion during this time is really crucial. So making sure you have time for your family, for your friends, for the things that make you feel good, making sure you surround yourself with people who support you and who know what's going on so you can open up to them and express any worries or stresses that are going on. Reach out for professional help if you need to, go seek a therapist. And then bring it back to the relationship as well in terms of your role as the partner. Bringing back some routine and stability in terms of your relationship is also a really great idea. So whether or not you guys had a date night each week or maybe you did something every month, maybe you're really invested in going and watching a movie or Maybe you love when the new crumble cookies come out and you always test them. Maybe it's something along the lines of that. The thing that you guys kind of connect on, the things that you guys always do together, obviously consider the situation, but making sure that those things are still present in their life is really important because at a time when everything fills up in shambles maybe they're between doctor's appointments all the time maybe they're in recovery maybe they're just struggling really hard in their job at the moment because they can't sleep at night having that stability and that basis of love and support from you is super important at this time to feel like they still have that sense of identity as your girlfriend as your boyfriend as their partner is so important and I just really want to emphasize that because I feel like sometimes in this whole experience of yeah doctor's appointments of going to and from from being tested and going in and out of hospital at some points or even just in and out of therapy it can be really draining on the both of you but bringing it back to that playful to that loving connected space is so so crucial for their survival for their help for their sense of identity and I just really wanted to emphasize that 
Um, I think that brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening in today. I truly hope that this helped you and I I appreciate that it might resonate. I don't really hope that it resonates because I don't wish mental health illness on anyone. But at the same time, if it did resonate and you think it helped you and you think it'll help someone else, definitely send it along to a friend or someone who is going through a situation like this. Like I keep saying, this happens to at least one in five people. So um, making sure that we can know what to do in these kind of circumstances when we are in a relationship with someone who is going through a mental health illness or ourselves are going through mental health illness and we want the person who we're in a relationship with to help us this is the episode that I really want you guys to start relying on I'm really hoping that it helped and if you have any questions or comments um send it over to me at how's your heart pod over on instagram i'd love to connect with you guys over there and of course i have a whole bunch of services listed listed below so if you are in need of those definitely use them i highly recommend and wishing you guys the best rest of your week before i see you next monday thank you guys so much wishing you all the best Mwah.